Welcome back to the Created for More podcast. My name is Morgan. Joining me today is one of my good, good friends, Blessy. She and I have been friends since college and a big part of our relationship, we've always had good, long quality conversations. So I thought she would be ideal to bring on the show today to talk about some pretty hefty stuff. Uh, It's funny too, because she got here about an hour and a half ago and we have just been talking the entire time. So maybe we got all the other stuff out of our system to keep this recording uh, a more appropriate length. There's been so much happening in our world the last couple weeks and we just want to have a casual conversation between two friends to talk about what's been going on, share our own perspectives. Also keeping in line with uh, a theme of the podcast, I want to talk about some of the political implications that some of this will have on the election this year, as well as mention some historical perspectives and give some context with the background of some of these things. So yeah, we have a lot to get to. Let's get started. So we were talking the other day, because this is the second time that we've rescheduled on when we're going to record the podcast, Mm -hmm. but you were really kind in helping me point out maybe a... um a point uh well you were challenging me of like why do you feel the need to record it so soon and I thought that that was good and because it checked me and it was like why do I feel so like hasty of trying to get this out there so fast and because of course we're just having conversations all the time with people and Mm -hmm. people in our circle and at home and stuff but like there was this part of me that felt like I need to get this out there and like keep up with the pace that the movement is going and where the conversation is on social media but also something that it made me think about was that how we were even just talking like a few minutes ago Mm -hmm. earlier, that if this movement needs to be sustainable and like integrated into our normal lives, like then there's, there shouldn't be like a rush to try to get it all out there at once or there will be burnout, tiredness and stuff. I think some people are already kind of experiencing some fatigue and, and other ways, but if it needs to be sustainable, then I don't need to feel rushed to just like throw in my two cents or whatever. And instead we can like take our time and it gave me more time to, edit my notes, Mm -hmm. think over some more things. And then we got here anyways, like whenever you arrived and we were just chatting about so much stuff. And this is like an ongoing thing. It's not something that like there's awareness now, but then Mm -hmm. there was always awareness. And now there is a reason for us to speak out about this. So this is something that has to be, like you said, a continued conversation. It's not something that has to stop with just Mm -hmm. these protests, but it has to be sustainable. Yeah, because I think a lot of people were also wondering, like, why why in the past, whenever this has been brought up, a new video resurfaces mm-hmm. or another unarmed black guy gets killed, like, why is it, why does it die down again? Yeah. And so I think a lot of people are who are more involved this time, mm-hmm. including myself, maybe yeah. it's just because I'm older and pay more attention, or maybe it's because something has kind of struck a chord with me where I've, like, realized something else about myself and I'm just like learning more but like why it you just kind of naturally start to ask the question like what why did it like why does it keep dying off and how do we prevent that from happening this time Mm -hmm. and like keep the conversation going but yes there's of course a very specific highlight right now and so much media attention and we're gonna get into that but also I felt like this podcast is just 
one way that I use my voice mm-hmm. to influence. That sounds really dramatic. Yeah. But it's just one way that I have a platform. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited to use it. But you were absolutely right in questioning me of, like, why why this, like, hastiness to, like, yeah. do it, like, right now, like, let's take our time with it. And I think that's good. And I think that's something we could all use of just pacing ourselves a little yeah. bit while staying, like, determined and motivated and stuff. Right, but right. not just, like, putting it all out there at one yeah. time and because that can turn unhealthy. But anyway, so <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, so just for the purpose of having a conversation between two friends who are definitely not experts in any way. Yeah, um, yeah. And so we don't pretend to have the answers or whatever, but Blessing and I, we just talk about things all the time in general anyway. So we mm-hmm. would be doing this regardless if microphones were in front of us anyways. Yeah, for sure. But if um, we were like meeting up, it's, it's yeah. bound to happen. We're definitely right. going to talk about current events and yeah. things that are going on right. in our lives. And this is definitely one of the things for that is sure. very mm-hmm. important right yeah, now. Yeah, it's very prevalent. Yeah. And definitely. so it just makes it, it is cool that we can record it and that maybe... 70 people will listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. If you have anything, if you care at all what we have to say. But yeah, um, yeah we just want to have a conversation. Um, I feel like there's also a lot of things that we could say that would just like echo things that lots of people have been mm-hmm. saying on social media and stuff, yeah. which doesn't necessarily make it unimportant to say those things. Like there's yeah. still a reason to um, repeat sentiments that are already being shared and stuff. But yeah. um, there's so many ways that you can take this conversation. And I think... Social media has done a pretty decent job of at least showing lots of different perspectives. And so, like I said, like, I think in a way there's some stuff that we can skip over, sort of. I want to be careful of how I say that because, again, uh, there are still things that are worth saying. Yeah, But sure. um, maybe depending on how the conversation will move could yeah. also vary on what's already been overstated over yeah. and over, I guess. But, um, but this could also be a way for everyone to have a conversation like this because yeah. it is definitely something that you want to keep talking about it doesn't yeah. end here it mm. is like you know it's just like us both like two friends just having mm. this conversation sure we, we're recording it but right. you know that doesn't mean that you should record it or yeah. it has to be only a conversation um when it's recorded it's something that mm-hmm. you can just allow it to happen organically right you know in any kind of meetup or you know, just have these difficult conversations so that the movement will stay prevalent and right the movement will stay um strong mm-hmm. and it's just kept alive yeah because i wonder if that's even part of the difference of why it feels bigger mm-hmm. see i even hesitate to say that because i'm not sure if that's just my own personal bias like because I'm still pretty young, so yeah. I don't know. Also, if you can hear things going on in the background, I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have a few dogs in the house. Stuff is happening out in the kitchen, and I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> so I'm sorry if you can hear some of those things. But, um, yeah, to me, the this type of... The movement that's happening right now feels... it. Again, this is just me, so I don't know if I'm just paying more attention now yeah. because more years have passed and I'm older and just whatever. Or what? Or maybe it really is different. I think yeah. this is a question that I have. But it feels like there's more white involvement. It feels like there's a more more diverse crowd coming yeah. forward, showing their support. All 50 states having protests at this point. Yeah. Like 20 countries. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I remember, like I've told you earlier, mm-hmm. like I remember um, 
hearing about the Ferguson protests when yeah. it happened mm-hmm. um, a couple years ago when I, I, at that time I was living in Sri Lanka mm-hmm. and you know a little backstory about me like I was raised in Brunei and I lived in Sri Lanka for three years and during that time I definitely did not see this conversation being had in mm-hmm. those places but now I see conversations about racism as a whole not mm-hmm. just about Black Lives Matter, but just about racism being had in places like Brunei um, and places like Sri Lanka, where my friends are actively posting about mm-hmm. um, about racism mm-hmm. and about what is happening, Black Lives Matter. And so, personally, I think it has, compared to previous times, mm-hmm. there's a lot of awareness. Then again, you know, you might be right. It might be the age group that we're in. Sure. You know, like all of our friends are now more um, in that age group where we're able to speak up more. Yeah. And, um, Just like uh, naturally more vocal and vocal, active. Yeah, and <laughs> active about these uh, yeah. social justice. That's true. But then again, like I did have friends who are older than me. I'm yeah. much older than this was not a conversation that was had mm-hmm. then. So then it makes me wonder, maybe this is a different, this is a very historic moment. Right. Hmm. No, that's a good point too. Like also wasn't it, there was that quote circulating around from Will Smith and it's like, it's not that this is happening more it's that it's being recorded more yeah. like talking about um, the death of innocent black yeah. men at the hands of police. I forget what the exact quote was, but like his point being, it's not that this is all, there's been an increase, a spike in this kind of activity, but it's, you're seeing it on your phones more. And so what he's speaking to specifically about the police brutality um, and the killings, um, I think maybe it could also apply to the activism of Mm -hmm. like, people were always um, participating in the movement, but this time it's just more viral and stuff. And so maybe there's a degree of that, but I think also, yeah, overall, I think, yeah, and I guess time will tell of yeah, the differences, but sure. even just by some of the numbers, like just by all of the involvement across the states and other countries, and if, you, if you're noticing in your own personal life the increase of conversations that you're having with friends and family, that would also tell you something, that it's just, it's a lot harder to ignore um, the way that even social media, like all you're seeing is posts yeah. from this stuff. Yeah, but, but I also wonder if it is just that graphic yeah you know of how george floyd died Mm -hmm. you know it was just so inhumane yeah that it definitely does bring forth a reaction be it anger disappointment be it fear Mm -hmm. um, sadness you know it just brings forth a reaction that anybody if you are human you are going to feel some type of way right just looking at that image and Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's something that we've seen before. Yeah, you know, it's just, oh, I, I, I don't yeah. know. It just, it's just so. I mean, I'm angry. Right. You know, just thinking about that image, it's not. It's a human rights violation. Oh my gosh! You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, and we were talking about that a little earlier too about how. Well, also, it could be um, maybe important to even talk about where the case is right now, because we were mentioning this earlier yeah. about how mm-hmm. at first only the main officer guy, Derek, um, at first he was the only one that was charged, yeah. and then the other officers who were there 
didn't have anything. Now all four of them have been charged mm-hmm. um, with the main officer. At first it was only third degree murder is right. what he was being charged with. And it's been raised to second. And mm-hmm. we are talking about what's even the difference. Yeah. And um, my dad is a former police officer. So we were having this conversation among several other conversations that I won't necessarily get into now, but um, specifically about the difference between these charges and stuff. And he wasn't even familiar with third degree murder, which I thought was interesting. And so maybe he was a cop back in the 90s. So maybe that's something that's changed. I don't know. But (laughs) the important difference and why it's not first degree murder is because first degree is like premeditated. Like he would have been sitting at home thinking like, I'm going to find that guy and I'm going to kill him. Like it was planned meditated, whatever. So it doesn't seem to be that. The difference, though, that we're trying to figure out even from third to second, second would be in that moment, whether or not he arrived at the scene on that call, showed up planning to kill somebody, was that in the moment while it was unraveling and happening that his intent changed and that he specifically planned to murder George Floyd, like in the moment with his action of the knee on the neck for several minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's where... Yeah, they raised it to second-degree murder, which to me seems justified. We'll see. It's hard whenever cases like this continue on because yeah. even just we were talking 30 minutes ago about how how to prove that sort of thing. Yeah. We are not legal experts either, so yeah. like this is even touchy for us to talk about. But again, just as we were discussing it of like how hard that's got to be to be like, how do you prove that a person in that moment was planning to kill another person. Yeah. But it didn't seem like an accident. But, like, he didn't... I don't know. So weird. Yeah, so it's, there's multiple ways in which you could... Um, you could talk about the case yeah. and, you know, justify it. Like, like, earlier I was saying, like, it is even possible that just having racist intentions, you know, yeah. like having those that was biases so interesting. can even be considered a first-degree murder. Right. You know, like just having those uh, thoughts about, well, maybe um, black people are, that whole race should not mm-hmm. be in existence. You know, having those, I mean, not in those thoughts necessarily, but mm-hmm. just having a variation of that right. um, can be considered premeditated right you know it's so uh, it's just that's complicated but it's so interesting and I don't know I'm sure though time has also shown us how whenever cases like this have come up I don't think that the it would seem as though an appropriate verdict was not reached that like like justice wasn't served to the fullest extent that it should have been and Mm -hmm. oftentimes whenever cases like this continue on um, whatever kind of verdict they reach, it seems like the public is like, what? Like, it should have been worse than that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that's like to be in those shoes or whatever, but I know that we can definitely just hope that, ugh, that, yeah. he, that justice is served, that, like, he does his time, that he's held accountable for his actions. Same with the other officers yeah. um, who were charged with different things. I think another part of this is also, like, if it was a black guy who was yeah. in in their shoes, they would not have blinked twice to right. charge him with yes. second degree murder. While yes. since it's in the case a white police, a officer, police officer, it's mm-hmm. you know it's taking a while to yeah. even like you know there's more thought put mm-hmm. into it. Like right. why can't a black man deserve that type of thought into right. a sentence as a you know? And that's probably mm-hmm. another part of the conversation yeah. too. Going into like uh, criminal justice reform and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, there's the the system is so quick to to throw a sentence at a 
black man, but when it's right. a white man, there's more. Yeah, oh, there's like hesitancy a, yes. and like mm-hmm. a slower due process really yes. gets shown to the full extent. Right. You're you're absolutely right that there. Yeah, it seems clear that there's always a prejudice shown in that they're shown especially in the case of an officer who right now it's a big conversation of like an abuse of power clearly what Mm. the officer was doing was exercise trying to show his power and like Mm. oh it's disgusting um and i know even for myself at one point in the first couple of days when all this was kind of coming out it made me just start asking a lot of questions in general but one was like I am confused about, like, what about minority police officers and black police officers and, like, going against the system of police brutality and, like, what is, like, what's at the root of that? And it was making me just start to think, like, the difference between white officers and black officers and stuff like that. But I know now there's even a bigger conversation of how did law enforcement start? How are they being trained? No matter their race, if they are putting on that uniform, what does that job entail and the protocol? We were even talking about how state by state it varies. And you even brought up a good point about diversity. Yeah, but like I was thinking about, there was this study that was done by Zimbardo. Mm -hmm. He's like a psychologist um, in Stanford, Mm -hmm. I believe. Okay. Um, So he had Stanford students, like Mm -hmm. students who were undergraduates um, who were to take part in this study where they were to, like, you know, it was, so one sample group would have to be, like, prison inmates. And then the other sample group were to be, um, like... The prison guards? Yeah, the prison Mm -hmm. guards. Yes, that's the word. I was like, what is the word for it? Um, And over time, and these were educated men who, who... that's an Ivy League school. So mm-hmm. you can imagine what type of stature they hold in society. Right. And over time, they them, the prison guards, the way that they treated these uh, inmates mm-hmm. were just so... They had to stop the study. Wow. Because um, it was getting so bad? Yeah. It wow. was getting so bad. So it is just that mm-hmm. when they wear those uniforms, yeah. you know, they lose their identity. Wow. And they let the power get to their head. Yeah. So that's something to think about. And so, right. you know, like something that we were talking about earlier is what type of um, what type of training are these people getting? Right. You know, in terms of, um, like personally, I went through the mental health counseling program. And one of the things that I had to work through was just checking my own biases. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that something that these police officers are uh, trained to do? Right. Are they they taught to check their biases and, Mm -hmm. you know, be aware of it, held accountable to it? Mm -hmm. You know, those kind of things are important, especially when you work in a field for the people. Right. And have so much just so much authority and power and you Mm -hmm. were given a gun and like, oh my gosh. You know, the... Like, would would they do the same things that they do if they were not in their right. uniform? Oh, that's a good question. You know, and yeah. so because they're given that power, they are held at a higher standard, so they mm-hmm. should be provided the training to, mm-hmm. you know, to right. serve the people effectively. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's not just the the gun, you know, they don't need to only learn how to shoot a gun. Right. They need to know how to you know, they need to learn about themselves and Mm. about the people and the population that they serve. Yeah. Yeah. And as we were also talking earlier about like how it varies state to state, um, all the stats that have been coming out Mm -hmm. about how like 
it requires more training to become a barber in yeah. some states than it does to become yeah. a police officer. And it's like, what? It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And there's that new graphic that's going around um, about the hashtag eight can't wait. Mm-hmm. And it's this, um, it's this, what is it called? Like a... Propaganda? It's like a, yeah, I don't know the right word. Yeah. But it's a big, it's a point of the, <laughs> what they're trying goal. to focus some yeah, attention it's on. Goal. It's one of their goals. <laughs> Um, but state by state, this also varies. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of these things I was reading and I was like, what? Like, does not, everybody doesn't do that? I don't even know what it is for Missouri. Like I'm trying to look into it and learn more about it. But yeah, this is one of their, one of their goals that they have right now, um, about this eight can't wait. And I'm just going to read it off real quick. But one is to ban chokeholds and strangleholds Mm -hmm. Two, require Mm de-escalation in these, um, arrests and situations Three, require warning before you shoot. Mm -hmm. Four, exhaust all alternatives before shooting. Five, duty to intervene. Um, Six, ban shooting at moving vehicles. Seven, establish use of force continuum. There are some of these I don't exactly know what they mean, so I'm trying to look into it. Um, And eight, require all force be reported. That if they had to use force during an arrest or whatever, during an interaction with a person, that they have to report it. So a couple of these, I was like, wait, that's not already a thing? So I feel like they're pretty basic. Like, it's not not a lot we're asking for. Like, in these eight. Because... In this side, was it was it Van Jones on that uh, video that he did with Ellen and mm-hmm. he was talking? Of, I don't remember if it was with that. I might be misquoting this. There's so many videos going around, I know. you know. Um, and we were talking about this earlier, but um, yeah, just about how with the this movement against police brutality and highlighting this conversation specifically, there will be of various opinions about what should be done about it. Some people want to abolish the police completely. Some people just want to reduce the funding that they're receiving and put move around the funds a little bit from taxpayer money. Some people are just looking at these eight things, you know, and um, just asking for some basic stuff or more training, stuff like yeah. that. So you're going to have, it's a wide conversation about lots of different things mm-hmm. and each person's going to have their own opinion on how far it should be taken yeah. it could also even depend on what state you're looking at what are they already doing but what does that community need um how involved should the federal government be we were right. talking about this earlier sometimes those lines can get blurred of like mm-hmm. what is a what's the federal government's job what's a state government's job um so i think this is going to be a long conversation but it does seem i feel like this is a very pointed uh, path forward of like right. here are eight things that seem pretty basic yeah um and then maybe it leads to other discussions about other things to maybe take it further but um that's definitely something I've been learning in the past week mm-hmm. of like definitely having to address my own bias not only with my own dad having worked in law enforcement mm. he was a cop so long ago I don't even remember it right. so there's a part of that but just living in a household with somebody who stands with cops and stuff um but also just addressing my own being from rural Missouri. Mm. How do I see police officers in general versus somebody maybe who lives in a more metropolitan area? Me just being a white person, how do I view police officers? And so trying to just not take offense to everything and just be like, okay, like let's just look at the facts here. What's happening? What are the numbers? And not only that, but like how are they being trained and what just makes sense moving forward? So I don't know. That's just been, like, really enlightening. But that's a big part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we can see where that goes with the uh, hashtag 8 can't wait trending. Um, 
I love it too that one of the great um, gifts of social media and with phones and stuff and technology, <laughs> yeah. especially, can we just say how this is happening during a pandemic? You know? Yeah. That you're already limited in some ways. Some of it has gone out the door and people are just like, no social distancing, whatever. Yeah. Um, but also, you always see people wearing the masks and stuff, but it's great nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, still staying safe and taking the precautions. But it's cool too that also during this time, while we're being so connected on the phones and stuff, that there are like, there are resources out there to no end. Like, oh. it is easy. I can get on some of my, even white friends' friends's, uh, profiles on yeah. Instagram and click a link in their bio, and, like, they have already curated lists of um, books and TV shows to watch yeah. and movies and, and so many things and articles, places where you can donate or sign a petition. Yeah. Like, there's been a lot of very straightforward, practical ways of, like, hey, you want to help out? Take a look at this. Yeah. Because we were even talking earlier, like, just the importance of not going to your friends of color and asking for the answers, because mm-hmm. that's not their job. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, but what would you have to add to that? Because I think that that's just such a good part of the uh, the conversation of just, what yeah. can you do as a person, but also show up for your friends of color. Right. And be sensitive to them and say, I still want to hear your opinion and your yeah. perspective of this. But it's also not your job to educate me. Right. And guess what? It's not even that hard to educate yourself because yeah, it's everywhere. You can just Google it or like especially right now there's so much resources out there. Yeah. Start with that. Start by reading like multiple books. Like one of the books that I'm reading right now is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibrahim mm. X. Kendi. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, that that's one of the books that um, I heard about it like a year ago, but then I didn't get the, I didn't, you know, I was in the middle of my graduate study, so I mm-hmm. didn't really have the time to, but now I just downloaded it, and that's a great book to start with, cool. you know. Another one is White Fragility. I yeah. read it as part of my... Oh, you um, did read it? Yeah. I read it as part of my, um, part of one of my classes that I had to take, um, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. Really? It really opened my eyes to see what exactly the struggles were mm-hmm. of black people, of the systemic racism, and mm-hmm. it really, if you are struggling with understanding white privilege i think that is a great book to read yeah um to really it'll really put into perspective Mm -hmm. what you go through as opposed to someone who is of color yeah uh, uh, or african-american right um the experiences it's so vastly different and another Mm. thing would be like ted um what is that ted talks oh yeah that's a great way yeah like to if you're wanting something that's not if you're not a reader and you're wanting to just watch videos, there are, you mm-hmm. know, like the 13th is um, yeah. a show on Netflix that mm-hmm. is amazing. Um, just go on YouTube and look up TED Talks and yeah. they are very informational. And so these are ways in which you can educate yourself and you don't need your black friend to tell you what to do. Because right. that is not their job. No. You know, they are already dealing with, um, you know, this, especially these events or every time a black man gets murdered. Every time a black woman gets murdered, mm-hmm. it is triggering. Yeah. And so it's not their responsibility to have to tell you right. what to do in addition to have to process yeah. how they're feeling, you right. know. Um, so what you can do is, you know, build report. You know, of course, you don't want to go up to them and, you know, um, be like, oh, uh, well, you, yeah, you want to tell them that you're there for them. Right. But, it doesn't have to be a thing that you do only now. Mm-hmm. It has to be a part of your lifestyle. Yeah. It has to be something that you uh, do regardless of, you know, what season of life you are in. Mm-hmm. You know, just go in and check in on them. Just be there for them. Support them. Mm-hmm. Let them know that you are there and you care about them and you love them. And so that is what you can do, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, like, let... 
those conversations happen organically. Don't yeah. don't pressure them to have to talk to you about what they're experiencing, mm-hmm. but rather just, you know, they would eventually open up to you about some of the struggles that they are facing yeah. by being black in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but not pressure them to have to talk to you right now. Right. And if they don't talk to you, that doesn't, you know, don't take offense of it. Yeah. You know, um, it takes a while. It takes a while to build that trust, especially in... Uh, a country where they've been oppressed for so long you right. can't blame them for no. not trusting you on the spot because mm-hmm. you know they're they're probably needing some time to figure out if they want to trust you mm-hmm. if they can trust you yeah um so but then in the meantime while building that report with that black friend you want to also keep yourself informed be sure to be aware of uh what type of conversations to have Mm -hmm. and how to have those conversations yeah you know yeah because there was almost even this big fear at the beginning of like being worried about saying the wrong thing Mm -hmm. and how maybe the intention of that was fine of like i want to be sensitive and i want to i want to um just like be responsible with my words and also i love that sentiment too of like using your white privilege yeah in the best way that you can to dismantle white privilege right to To um, hold white people if you're white and it's don't it's not a black person's or a person of color's responsibility to uh hold a white person accountable right you know if you are passionate about this cause and your understanding of your privilege, it mm-hmm. is your responsibility to hold another white person accountable. Yeah. You see somebody else showing um, showing signs of racism or showing being being ignorant to the cause mm-hmm. and then Yeah, or making you, a joke yeah, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, being mm-hmm. insensitive to it. Um, it is your responsibility as a white person to talk to them. Yeah. Um I mean, even in your jobs, you know, mm-hmm. if, if like, you know, with all the diversity movement happening or happening yeah. in the workplace, a lot of the times you walk into um, a workplace and you realize that there's no diversity and you're a white person. You have the privilege to talk about it, right. have that conversation, let them, you know, ask why, you know, why is there not another person? Mm-hmm. Why is there not a person of color in that workplace, you know. Yeah, because you made the point earlier too that if a if a person of color brought that up, it would yeah. make, it would seem like they're overreacting or right. like, oh, well, of course you would complain about that or something. Yeah, you know? like there yeah. would be, yeah, it would come across a different way than yeah. it would if a white person is holding another white person accountable to that and being like, um, something's not right here. Right. And yeah. So that and it takes one... guts and courage, mm-hmm. but freaking compared to what some of them are experiencing, like right. just th- the it least is, you could do is yeah, say something. It's, it's that's one way to be an ally. You right. Know? to yeah. help yeah know, that's one way if you're wanting to help that's one way yeah like, keep helping you know right. it's not something that has to be had now and you know like next year this time you forget about it but this right. should be something that you're aware of mm-hmm. you know like it, you feel comfortable in an environment that's not the case for a lot of people of color right they walk into an environment they might not feel comfortable because they don't see somebody else mm-hmm. who looks like them mm-hmm. and so if you don't feel comfortable Maybe take a po- make it a point to like look around and be like, why do I feel comfortable? Yeah, right. You know, and mm-hmm. like, okay, so this is why I feel comfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not right. Right. You know, it's yeah. not representative yeah. of the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there are hiring practices that needs to be checked, mm-hmm. put in check. And sure. Take it upon yourself. Um, yeah. If you, th- then again, if you get fired or. I mean, this might be, you know, I might be taking it too far, but if you're afraid of being fired, 
do you want to work in a place that doesn't mm-hmm. promote diversity to begin with? Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's just something that you need to think about. Yeah, right. No, I think that's good too. Like even to just start asking yourself those questions. And I think I like the point too of like, each person doing their part. Like, I think at the beginning, how I said there was sort of that fear that I'm going to say the wrong thing or whatever. There was also kind of this, maybe some sort of pressure of protesting a certain way or speaking out in a certain way. And if you weren't doing those things, you were also kind of being condemned for that or, Mm -hmm. and that, but just because of how quickly everything was taking off and the way that the conversation was moving. But, um, I think more so recently in the last few days, people have been really, Um, not only gracious, but, um, so much more, like, they're just, they're talking a little bit more about how, like, what is your role that you can do, your sphere of influence, to still challenge yourself and maybe do things that make you uncomfortable, of course, but, like, what resources do you have, what are you able to do right now, like, Mm -hmm. in your lane or whatever, like, whatever that thing was that was, um, shared as well of, like, just make sure that you were going forward, like, in that direction, Mm -hmm. um, for change and better practices and stuff, but to not try like, we're all going to play a different role. Yeah, I mean, you could even start gifts. in your own homes. Of course. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, how you, you've you been having those conversations, like, with your family members mm-hmm. or, you know, like, your relatives. Mm-hmm. You know, that, it just starts from there. It doesn't sure. have to start, like, you don't have to, if you don't feel comfortable, especially with COVID, like, if you don't feel comfortable going out and protesting sure. right now, it could be, I mean, you st- having those conversations in your homes. Mm-hmm. Um checking yourself you know what are my biases you know Um, because I think a lot of the reason why some people were quiet I can't speak for everybody but some of the cases when people were were hesitant maybe to even come forward and say something I think that they were also just having real moments with themselves and like praying repenting Mm -hmm. asking themselves the hard questions learning just kind of absorbing the information processing and stuff but also having those low-key conversations that you can't see on Instagram that you don't see happening every day yeah and so I think that's why at first I was like there was just so much of like if you're being silent, then you are on the side of the oppressor. And it's like, whoa, whoa, like there's, well, how do you define silence? There was a friend of mine on Instagram who was also asking this question, um, which I thought was interesting, but also like, yeah, like what do you mean by being silent? Because there are still people who are doing quieter things, quote unquote, of just like in their own sphere, in their own circle and people in their homes and stuff. And uh, yeah, it takes time. Honestly, at the end of the day, it's better that you're sincere. Sure. using your time. Uh, wisely yeah rather than posting something and not really and not mean it, it. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah that's you know, such a good point like this should be sustainable and in order mm-hmm. for it to be sustainable take your time mm-hmm. do it how you believe it when you're ready and how you're ready and it could yeah. start with just yourself maybe you become aware i mean you know all of this movement you see stuff online you realize that there are some things that you've been doing yourself sure you know and that you need to work through and Mm -hmm. what does that look like like you said it could be prayer and you know confessing to God and just you know being present with God and then eventually having this quiet conversations maybe it might not be outwardly on social media but just you know noticing things in your family members and things Mm -hmm. that have been reinforced in your own homes that you haven't been aware of previously yeah you want to address you know it would start I mean honestly like personally I think the hardest thing would be to address with your family members oh my gosh yeah because you live in the same homes with them and so that is uncomfortable but Mm -hmm. I think that is important for you to do you know your sphere of influence right Um, and it's always good too like I've noticed in some of these conversations I've been having having with friends and family like um it's helpful to 
talk with people who agree with you, of course, yeah. and, like, there's something that reinforces that, yeah. maybe re-inspires you of why you think that way, and, like, it's good to feel supportive and stuff, too, but definitely in the fewer cases, whenever I'm talking to somebody who either blatantly disagrees yeah. with things that are happening or with things that I agree with and stuff, or if there's just a little bit of contempt and, like, we're, we're finding disagreements in smaller things that we're saying, it helps check my own bias, and yeah. it's like, okay, like, what do I believe and why do I believe that and how am I articulating it to this right. person? That is challenging, but yeah. it's good because it keeps kind of keeps you on your toes and you're mm-hmm. like still you're you're trying to think outside of the box and consider that person's perspective who maybe you might believe is totally wrong, but to be right. like, why do they think that? Um, is it something we can talk about now or what can I consider about their upbringing that led them to that place? Like yeah. no matter what kind of conversation you're having, like there is something that is it is training you to think outside of the box a little bit more, like, so to speak. And it's, I don't know. I've just found that to be really helpful, too, whenever there's been points of disagreement. Yeah. Of, like, oh, like, I need to get out of this bubble. Yeah. and Yeah. Yeah. Which can be hard, but... Yeah, it is. It is very <laughs> hard. Like, especially when you see something that is, like, obviously wrong. And yeah. And how do you have that conversation graciously, mm-hmm. you know, like, with love, um... When, you know, obviously what they're doing is technically not loving. Sure. And so, like, how do you still address it with love, you know? Yeah. How do you address it with love to a person that might be unloving in the moment? Or, like, that's so hard. Um, There was also that day last week with Blackout Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned this a little bit ago, um, privately by ourselves, off the podcast. But, like, how... (laughs) (laughs) um, I have to be careful now because it's been 35 minutes already. So if I I say earlier... I know. I looked down. I was like, jeez. Um, so if I say earlier, I might be referencing Blessy and I talking before we start recording, but, um, with posting like a black square to your Instagram feed on social media and how it started out. Well, yeah, it was like this, this way to like show solidarity. I stand with the black community during this time. I support the movement. You matter to me, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then like, but people were using the hashtag black lives matter with that. And it was clogging up the feed for where important information was being dispersed and posted And so it's like, only use, you know, Blackout Tuesday Tuesday. or whatever. And so it was so interesting to see, I don't know, just like people wanting to come forward and be like, yes, I want to show my support in this tangible way on social media. Also checking yourself, like, am I just posting this to post it? And because everyone Mm -hmm. else is posting it, but like, whatever, that also, but um, that it ended up becoming kind of this little mess and it was like please stop using this one hashtag and only use this other one and I thought that was interesting but I also thought it was like really really cool that I remember specifically that day because nothing else was on my feed Mm. people were also amplifying black voices and Mm. stories and black photographers who were out there in the streets and like trying to support the black community more and be like I'm not posting anything today and neither are a lot of my like white friends and stuff as well but also just people who I'm following on Instagram black or white any Mm. type of minority even but um, trying to also share stories like of, of the black community. And, yeah. and so I noticed that as well of if I'm scrolling through the feed, there were black square after black square, but also in people's stories, they were still like highlighting other things. So it wasn't necessarily a day of silence to like stop talking, yeah. but it was just like, but that was, was one of shift. the fears is like that yes. people will use black out to stand decide like, just you know, it's going to be quiet. Yeah. So they were encouraging you to continue posting those resources yeah. regarding, you know, like 
the black square is to show that you're with them, but that doesn't mean you have to stay silent for the entire day. Right, right. Yeah. And so that was good. There were good conversations happening that day for sure. You could mm-hmm. tell, like just watching it even throughout the day and stuff. Because um, I remember at first I was even tempted, like, oh, great, I don't even have to get on Instagram today. Won't even have to worry about it. And I was like, no, what? That's not even the yeah. point. I mean, I, I, I was wondering too. I was like, do I post stuff? <laughs> like, we post. You know, sure, like, yeah. So, but then, yeah, eventually, you know, that definitely helped. Yeah. That clarification. Um, yeah. Oh, we were also mentioning the um, the podcast sixteen nineteen. Yes. Which is good. Which I know you're not great. a big podcast person yeah, like listening, I struggle. which is I okay. Struggle. You recognize that there are other yeah. ways to like listen and learn and stuff. But for people, for those of you who do like podcasts, um, which I only started the first episode. Um, okay. But um, it's, it's like by National Geographic, New York Times. Oh, New York Times. I think. Yes, okay. Yes. Um, and it's like recorded so beautifully. It's oh, like very yeah. cinematic. Very good. Yeah, I can like. <laughs> visualize yeah what is that well i mean i'm not a podcast person, <laughs> yeah i can still like like the way that it takes you like you know the initial part is like the yeah. ocean and, oh my gosh you know it was it was it was beautiful yeah it was they do a good job it's very informative powerful, yeah very powerful mm-hmm. yeah i love i was talking about this with another friend i just love the power of not only photographers out there on the street videographers people who are recording what's happening um, but the way that storytelling can be used, mm-hmm. storytelling in movements like this, it was huge for the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. huge in the 60s because that was whenever television was coming onto the yeah. scene. So suddenly people who are at home ignoring the problem, they couldn't ignore it because yeah. it was in their living room on their television right. and they were seeing what was happening. And so yeah. bringing that visual aid, also with podcasts, like being able to listen to a story like that, just the way that storytelling can be used to propel a movement even more, I think is so beautiful and it's another way for people to use their creative gifts yeah. to also contribute. So mm-hmm. maybe you're not like an, an out there activist who's shouting in the streets or whatever, even though anybody can do that, of course, but getting you like using your own unique talents as well to right. figure out like if I love storytelling or taking photos and stuff yeah. while still um, highlighting black artists as well and black creatives mm-hmm. and black photographers, which I think is I think it's so cool that that's happening as well. But yeah, you yourself as a person, no matter your race, how can I use my creative abilities to like contribute to the cause? And yeah. I've just loved seeing all the stuff kind of erupt during this mm-hmm. time. And um, sure. it's been interesting too, because at the beginning I was almost overwhelmed with all of this stuff. Like it mm. felt like a tidal wave of information and videos and articles and resources and pictures and all of this stuff like history and people giving their opinions and like there was just so much that it was hard to kind of like uh sort through the noise a little bit or to even process what was happening or like you wanted to learn and Mm -hmm. there's like so much and just to try not to become so burnt out I guess or lots of things it was just so much at one time Mm -hmm. um and I think I feel better about it like now more so, but for me personally, I think I had to like sort out, yeah, just like what my priorities were in it after I had like addressed myself, I think for a few days, but like still just figuring out like how to, like I think the media was only showing the negative kind of stories, like the stuff that was getting the ratings, which is so unfortunate whenever that happens because the majority of the protests I think have been peaceful, but on the news they are showing, honestly, no matter what what network you're watching, they're showing the ones that are turning more violent and the rioting and the looting and stuff. And so it distracts from the point of all of it, the purpose, which is so unfortunate. And there's a conversation to be had as well about why it turns violent and Mm -hmm. like, um, 
whether or not you you support the the looting and the rioting and stuff yeah. but like what it's coming from like why are they yeah. um, acting in that way like this is people of all races as well we should mention right, so i right. mean just the protests in the streets how they are unraveling the way that they are why is that but i just think what was unfortunate too is how major news networks were only showing Highlighting. the bad stuff yeah as well as this tidal wave that i felt of information of just i would see a beautiful video of people hugging praying together yeah. Something super peaceful going on. Cops and regular civilians talking and hugging and things like that. Then I would see terrible videos of, mm. like, of people destroying property and of people screaming at each other and, like, unjustified aggression that was being yeah. used. And, like, oh, my gosh. And it was just so back and forth. Yeah. You could just get whiplash from it. You're like, right. how do I even know what to pay attention yeah. to? But then it's important to realize that, a majority of it is peaceful. Yeah. And this is just like a media tactic to distract you from what is the right. point of this, you know? Right. Um, I think like Van Jones mm-hmm. talked about it with Ellen mm-hmm. about, you know, like she asked what, like the point, like, you know, what the yeah. thoughts were around the looting and um, the riots and stuff. And he actually, I mean, if you haven't, I can't repeat it effectively, but if you right. have a chance, I would encourage you to go out and like, just look for that video and like hear yeah. hear him out. I think he makes a really good point. It was about a good it. point yeah. about like commonality between people on both sides of this issue. Yeah. Like hating the uh the unlawfulness. Yeah, the lawlessness. Yeah, the lawlessness. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that was a really good video. Um there were several things too. I I marked down um, or I also took screenshots. Okay, I have several different things that I want to read um, or try to summarize or whatever. Yeah. But um, former President Obama, he had he also made this like video of like quote unquote ad- addressing the nation. It was like very, very like legitimate and stuff, which <laughs> I thought was interesting. But um, but yeah, like obviously his opinion is respected highly and stuff, and mm. he is a beautiful communicator and oh, just yeah. articulates things so well. I think no matter where you stand politically. He just, he has a way of conveying words and messages. Um, But he also made a post on his Instagram that was like, it was like eight slides long, but I took a, um, a screenshot of one of the slides specifically that I thought was an interesting point. He said a lot of great things, but this other one was, I've heard some suggest that the recurrent problem of racial bias in our criminal justice system proves that only protests and direct action can bring about change and that voting and participation in electoral politics is a waste of time. I couldn't disagree more. The point of protest is to raise public awareness, to put a spotlight on injustice and to make the powers that be uncomfortable. In fact, Throughout American history, it's often only been in response to protests and civil disobedience that the political system has even paid attention to marginalized communities. But eventually, aspirations have to be translated into specific laws and institutional practices. Mm -hmm. And in a democracy, that only happens when we elect government officials who are responsive to our demands. I thought that was so good, because I think it it points out the need for both. Yeah. But that they can't happen exclusively. Right. And the highlight that's been, this, like, spotlight that's been put on it is very much so needed and the activism that you're seeing in the streets and on social media etc etc voter turnout among younger people is Mm. devastatingly low (laughs) yeah and so i think we also saw that not only the last election but time and time again um but i think yeah maybe uh what's the current conversation that's happening right now by the time november comes but even there's still some primaries going on in some states i just had a local election here in my small town for mayor board of education members um people like that so 
there's still little elections here and there and you want to do your research and make sure that you're not going there blindly mm-hmm. just voting for somebody that sounds good but even in those little ways it doesn't solve every problem but it's another just tangible little way that you can be like this person I see on their social media they support these efforts I support those efforts I want them to represent yes. me and definitely by the time November comes of course um, I there's this politi- politics editor that I follow a lot Chris Starwalt and I think I've mentioned on mentioned him on here a couple of times but um, he was just saying how like the conversation happening in the political world mm-hmm. and the electoral world is that um, they expect to have just outstanding numbers of voter turnout this year as opposed to the past 40 years they think there's going to be really high turnout it could also depend on how it works out if there's going to be in-person voting Mm. or voting by mail could depend on several things but um, he said that um, a little bit before all this was happening with the death of George Floyd and Um, and the protests that have happened since but I think and then I think he mentioned it again after this which just expounds on the point that like if I mean if people just show up and vote what could happen and what could kind of keep the conversation turning to not only with the president election but um with members of congress house of representatives and And senators you know small cities and in your cities yeah Yeah. absolutely because it all adds up and we like to point our fingers at one person or one kind of thing but there's a lot that makes up the problem (laughs) um (laughs) yeah there was another um arnold schwarzenegger very Ooh. random but he wrote this um article for the atlantic okay. and it was right it was like the day after um the nasa spacex launch okay of the rocket yeah. which was so beautiful if you had a chance to watch it but um even his first little line like right underneath the title the title was the america i love needs to do better mm-hmm. um and but the line says patriotism isn't just the blind love of our flag. It is the work we do to improve our country for every American. Wow. That was so good. Yeah, that's good. I love the topic of patriotism and that Mm. it's not just how he used the word blind. Like, it's not just saying everything we do is perfect and, Mm. like, I'm a patriot for my country. It is recognizing the faults, the good and the bad, and working to make it better, believing that it can be better. But I also love just the word that he used of um, to improve our country for every American. Right. It's not just about the economy it's yeah the, it's about the individual people right. that identify as an american citizen yeah and further down in the article he even uses this uh because of the recent event of the rocket launch he said and the next time we send a rocket into space showing the world that we can soar past the limits of our atmosphere i want every kid in an inner city school to see mm. to see it as a symbol of the possibility that lies ahead for them instead of a symbol of an america that doesn't belong to them oh, oh I thought that was so good i have like little chills right now too yeah. but um, so great job, Arnold. I thought that was a really good article. <laughs> it was so random. I think Chris Pratt shared it on his um on his Instagram because that's his father in law. And um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was like interesting. And I he forgot. was a former governor of California. Right, so he's in right. the political world. Yeah. So it can sound kind of um random at first, but there were tons of things I took screenshots of, and I've been taking notes for the past several days. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. 
oh, if you don't follow Ben and Jerry's ice cream, they are huge, like, political activists, and I kind of forgot, but they have, like, highlights on their Instagram page of stuff that they stand for and, like, different templates and stuff, and Mm -hmm. they um, highlight the, uh, from slavery to mass incarceration, and we're gonna get into some of that in a second, but, um, yeah, Ben and Jerry's was a, a random one that, like, came back up on my radar, and I was like, oh my gosh, they are, they're, like, really woke over there, like, they're posting stuff left and right, they even came out with a new flavor, called oh. um pecan resist so like we can resist oh <laughs> that's cute <laughs> um anyways um pecan resist oh, yeah that's awesome uh, not there's a there's a pastor i follow um several but this one in los angeles with mosaic church erwin mm-hmm. mcmanus he also they did um a special like zoom meeting with um some of the other pastors and yeah. um with just like this it was like a little tiny focus group of like five of them that were talking and I thought it was really beautiful um but he also had something that I well I think his is better if you read the whole thing but I found it on his Instagram but he is an an immigrant um and so he talks about which so is Arnold Schwarzenegger who also talks about it in his um article but Erwin McManus also touches on uh just like his unique perspective as well as I think just people who can kind of recognize both sides of an argument but still no matter what see the wrongdoing from both sides as well um that like every person at some point is holding their bias and is um has maybe contributed to the wrongdoing without even knowing it or whatever that they're like it's almost like everybody's almost to blame or not one single thing is to blame um and so that's sort of another point that he makes as well but uh yeah and it's not going to be perfect how we continue like, no matter how we continue with the conversation, with the movement and stuff, like, you're not always going to say the right thing, post the right thing, yeah. and you're going to have, like, these slip-ups slip, slip ups and stuff, but I think it's just important that they are happening, that you're moving forward in the right direction. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But would you have anything else to add before we move on to uh, history and politics? No. <laughs> no. I know it's already been uh, 50 minutes, minutes. so no, I'll make the next okay. one a little bit. Yeah. It's okay. It's important. Right, right, it's right. It's good. I mean, like, it's, it's educational and definitely... I've, I haven't read any of those articles. Yeah, so, there's so many, obviously. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> you only um, read, like, if you... You can easily miss some of the... Some good ones, but also read a bunch of other good ones. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't say that you don't know where to find them, because they're right. everywhere. Yeah, def- definitely. <laughs> Especially now more than ever. Yeah. Maybe no. Especially now, we're more aware of those resources yeah. more than ever. Yes, I mean they've always been around. Right, and so just yeah, you have no them. excuse to not know what's happening. Right, or how to to do your part in this movement. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that I wanted to talk about was this term or. Uh, several terms that are thrown around there a lot in these conversations um, or that you'll see online about systemic oppression, institutional racism, following along those lines. And it's important to talk about. um, I obviously love history a lot. And so I already recognize the importance of understanding how things started, what led us to where we are today, how it kind of all relates or is connected or the differences. I love studying that kind of stuff. But specifically um, with this movement and this conversation that's been happening the last couple weeks, 
to really understand where a lot of this comes from um, and stems from, I think is very important because if you're going to be talking to somebody who doesn't understand the privilege that they have or why society is structured the way that it is or was in very recent years, and that explains why a community lives the way that they do. Um, stuff like that. I just think it gives so much more context. But this is very complicated stuff. And yeah. so it's a lot to read about. There was that little fun video. I shouldn't say fun. It looked fun because it was a cute little cartoon. It's yeah. like, this is Jamal and blah, blah, blah. And then this is his friend Kevin. But it yeah. did a great job, honestly, yeah. of like in five minutes or whatever, explaining in pretty simple terms uh, what systemic racism it is. Like, yeah. yeah. So if you haven't seen that, it's surely popped up um, on Instagram stories and stuff on your feed before. Um, but yeah, there's there's also, okay, a quick Google search will explain more than what I am about to explain now and do, probably do a better job at it. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of the conversation that Blessy and I are having right now and for the sake of this podcast, um, I would like to talk about a couple of things. So this is about looking at how American society has been structured and organized throughout time mm-hmm. to give white people an advantage. Um, It shows up in really obvious, direct ways throughout history, as well as more subtle ways in recent history. So institutional racism, um, again, there are, there's lots of different words for it, but they're all regarding this same idea, a form of racism that is expressed through the practice of social and political institutions, things in a society that were created, or laws or programs, um, and you can see how they affect society through wealth, income, criminal justice, employment, housing, healthcare, political power, education, among other things. And it's usually more subtle and it's complicated because even with those 10 things I just listed, you can take each one down its own little route and explore it more, understand where it came from, um, yeah, how it shows up today, each and how they're connected to each other. There's just so much. Um, but... When you are looking at the whole topic of racism also, there's a side to it that's individual. So like, what are my personal thoughts and feelings towards other races? How do I act? How do I speak? What are my morals? Then there's a much broader societal part. How is our system structured, whether it be laws or public behavior or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, What is the history? And so it's important to have a good understanding of it. But uh, the United States is a shorter history, has only been a nation for about 240 years, 243, the majority of that time, and even before it was an official independent country, the country has, as an institution, was oppressing minorities and specifically African Americans. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned that podcast 1619. It has that title because 1619 was when slaves were first brought to America. 1776 was when the Declaration of Independence was signed, so whenever we were um, approaching independence as a country, 1776, but slaves were first brought to America at 1619, like when there were colonies. Slavery was not abolished until 1857. Okay, so from 1619 to 1857, there was slavery being practiced regularly. White people enslaving black people is a very obvious, direct way of giving white people privilege and advantage. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to our Constitution are known as the Civil War Amendments. Because when slavery was abolished, this is around the time that the Civil War is ending, okay, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments um, 
One abolished slavery, the other one provided citizenship, and the other one gave them their right to vote. However, there were, there were several ways that these new freedoms were limited and restricted. For example, southern states could enforce poll taxes and literacy tests that were required for a person to vote. So this still created a system where blacks were disenfranchised because, yes, maybe on paper um, the amendment says this, here's the new law, but I'm going to, at this time, they were still able to um, create more hurdles to jump. Um, they had more loopholes. Even, you might know, the 13th Amendment basically saying slavery is abolished, no more, except for the use of criminal punishment. Um, again, earlier we noted the documentary 13th is a good one. I remember watching it one of the last months of my race, um, because it's like some of these amendments or laws that come up, specifically these three, the civil war amendments, it's almost like they have little asterisks, you know, at the end or fine print that you have to read. Or if they don't blatantly in the amendment say something that kind of catches you off guard like that, states were able to kind of get around some of the restrictions to make it harder for African Americans to succeed and enjoy these new quote unquote, quote unquote freedoms. So you had hundreds of years of slavery. Then the passage of these landmark amendments, because they were substantial and a big deal, but um, again, they still kind of had those loopholes or um, the fine print beneath them. Then you go right into segregating blacks from whites, racially segregating people formally from around the 1870s, maybe a little bit sooner or whatever, but around the 1870s up until the 1960s. Essentially, another 100 years of a very direct way that blacks were put at a disadvantage, where they could... where. They had to sit on a certain part of the bus or certain parts of the restaurants, what bathrooms they could use, etc. And so I also want to highlight Jim Crow for a second. If you've heard of this, it's a term that gets thrown around a lot whenever you're studying segregation, the civil rights movement, which of course I encourage you to do. Um, but in the early 1800s, so slavery, still a thing, there was a fictional character played by a white actor portraying a black slave who was notoriously clumsy, um, dim-witted, dumb, um, and it became very popular among white crowds, and the name became a derogatory term for blacks. The character eventually dies out, and eventually in the late 1800s, during the Reconstruction Era, which is right after the Civil War, country coming back together, new laws coming up, it was used as a phrase to describe segregation laws and other anti-black legislation. So you'll hear the term Jim Crow laws um, or Jim Crow segregation. And so it's just a term that's used to describe legislation and other um, things, practices to um, inherently basically uh, put blacks at a disadvantage. Um, and specifically, yeah, directly opp oppressing black people. Then you also have to consider, though, with all this talk about how Eventually, in the 1960s, with segregation ending um, and the passage of the Civil Rights Act, I think in 1964, again, big legislation, um, you also have to consider some of the more subtle things throughout our history. So advertisements on TV, the whitewashing of our history, essentially. Um, but advertisements on TV, children's books, Barbie dolls and baby dolls, um, TV shows and actors and all of those things. Um, there was also... Uh, so you have that to consider as far as the institutional practices, laws, and programs specifically. You've heard of redlining as well at this point. And, um, the way that um, society 
was either indirectly or very directly putting blacks at a disadvantage. There were also those kind of more subtle, casual ways with TV and advertisements and toys and things like that um, of just it all being white people, you know? Um, you can even consider Christianity mm. and paintings of Jesus being white. And it's like, no, um, he was also a minority. Um, but there's still yet yeah, a whole generation of people who were alive when our society looked very different. Like they were being overtly, blatantly oppressed and segregated that are still alive today. Mm. And they raised the kids who raised the young people of today. So not only are there physical, structural factors that have given black people a disadvantage, there are psychological, cultural, inherited factors that have impacted the way that they see American life, how they see themselves, and how other people see them. And so recently I was talking to somebody and they, they made the point, well, they tried making the point like, well, they have the same opportunities that we have today, the same freedoms that we have today. That seems like a very big stretch in general, but like, let's say on paper that that was true, that like, because of the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act and all of those things, that the, technically by law, they cannot be, um, they cannot be uh, discriminated against because of their race, sex, gender, and those things. But so even if on paper that's true, they are starting at a much lower place because of years and years, again, in very recent history of directly being oppressed and so they are starting at a different place blessing and i were talking earlier even with all this the housing districts and the redlining and all of this stuff and neighborhoods uh right after the time of segregation and all those things it's not like that once the laws were passed poof they are in a wealthy neighborhood going to a good school like no they were still in the reality that they were in and that their grandparents before them were in you know and so they have they have much more ground to cover to to get to that place where it's easier for us to take advantage of opportunities and um a lot of times it's more work for them so it can be hard because we we live just in the day and age that we do today where you just kind of assume that those things aren't there but you have to kind of look a little bit beneath the surface and and realize what has been passed on from generation to generation or what kind of cycle maybe a family has been stuck in or um what a minority specifically is is um experiencing in american life that you as a white person just don't even have to consider um it is complicated and it's subtle and it's deep-seated so it makes it a bigger problem to solve um that's something that i think that has tripped me up because i can sit here and i can read it and i can understand it but then i'm like well how do we fix it and blessing and i were even talking earlier about um even just if you try to zero in on one one of these facets because it is a multifaceted problem yeah. if you even just zoom in on the education system or or how taxpayer money is being used from property taxes to yeah. fund that school specifically in that neighborhood um even if you try to Com combat one of one of the facets it can bleed into other areas as well and affect yeah. more change and um and so I guess a reminder for me and maybe a reminder for other people who might need to hear it if they're reading some of this stuff and feeling overwhelmed to just kind of center your focus on something see what you can do do some more research too into your own community like what does my city here in rural Missouri like what do they do um but also yeah what can I do to help make it better yeah. um but I think alone, just understanding where it comes from is huge. So even if you don't really have a, a clear plan of action for how to help get out of it, um, just to understand 
and then educate understand the past and educate other people for sure. Having those conversations again, using your white privilege to dismantle white privilege and to and to see the advantage you've been given. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but it is it's complicated. Um, but maybe that gives you a little bit of a better idea of just like a broad overview on kind of how uh, it's unfolded over time. Another thing that I think is just interesting to think about already, um, the election this November has been impacted regardless of what's been happening in the past couple weeks, but because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, the election has changed a lot because are there going to be debates? Are there going to be the conventions in the summer of how you officially nominate the candidate and all of these things? Um, a lot of the in-person rallies and stuff, it all changes from this point forward. And looking especially at November, how are we going to vote? Is it going to be in person, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but especially with a conversation that's been unfolding the past couple of weeks, I think people have to sort of stack the candidates against each other, whether or not you are um, pleased with who these two are. Um, because I understand that frustration of like, how did we get here to two old white men representing both parties? Um, but nonetheless, um, just trying to figure out moving forward, what do I value and what's important to me? Um, how have, how has the current president handled the pandemic? What kind of track record does Joe Biden have? Stuff like that. They can both use the economy to their advantage, um, in a way as like specifically talking about COVID-19, moving forward, since we're kind of in a depression era, a fourth of the workforce out of work, um, unemployment just being so huge right now. And so moving forward, who do I believe can help lead the country out of this um, with a possible recession underway, things like that? Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president. Um, whenever they took office, whenever their administration took over, we were in a recession in 2008. So Joe Biden can say, I was on the Obama team who helped get us out of a recession. I can help us economically. Um, President Trump can also do that because the last few years of his presidency have been marked by um, good economics and um, good stock stock market. Um, so he can also say, I've gotten us to a good place economically. I can do it again, you know, after the pandemic and stuff. So, um, but especially I think with what's happening with the movement right now yeah. um, and with Black Lives Matter, with the protests and things like that, people also have to look and see where is my, where, where do I, who do I believe in to as far as lead us morally or lead us where legislation can be passed or more efforts made. Like we said, like we said earlier, it's not just down to one person, but you can even look at past presidents. I think the 13th, that documentary does a good job of showing how every president along the way has contributed something um, that was good or bad. Like it's not even a partisan issue. It's not necessarily this is the Republicans fault. This is the Democrats fault of why things are this way, but it's just a human problem. And so, but you do have a right that whenever you're going to the voting booth, like who do I believe will help uh, lead us into the right direction? Um, yeah. Because we were even talking just about how things feel more different uh, this time around. I also, in the past, have kind of talked about how uh, the current day and age that we're in feels a lot like the 1960s just because of social movements and stuff and the way, just the way that people, I think, behavior and stuff. Currently, we're also being compared to the 1920s because of the Great Depression and things like that. But in a lot of ways, I've just always thought that like the generations that are around today feel a lot like the 1960s. But um, even, even then, like, there might have been some 
things that we've progressed as society since yeah. the 1960s, but there's mm-hmm. it might not overtly look like segregation, like, yeah. although overtly segregation is no longer mm-hmm. an issue, it still happens. It's yes. still a part of modern America. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it was necessary for this movement to happen, for mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter to be voiced. Yeah. So. I think that's a good point, too, of, like, I don't know, I'm an optimist, I'm a really big optimist, so sometimes I can be blind to the bad things that are happening, but I think at some some points it's also an advantage of, like, pointing out the good stuff as well, like, people sometimes need that too, Um, but I have to check myself on it, but how much progress we have made as a society is still something to acknowledge, Um, but again, it's like that blind patriotism, so it's like, acknowledge what efforts have been made and how things have been better, Because you're not going to do any good by just saying it's all crap and, like, it's all worthless or whatever. Because that would totally... That would discredit all the efforts that have been made by past activists and people who have done the movements and done the hard work to get legislation passed. So there is a lot of good that's happened, but you're right. Like, you also still have to acknowledge what exists that maybe you are sort of blind to or just don't notice because it's more subtle. Um, I'm just very interested... Yeah, to just see what happens politically with this as far as with the election. Um, when I came back from squad leading, um, the topic of the election just was totally put on pause because everybody yeah. was focusing on COVID. Yeah. Um, rightly so, of course. Like <laughs> Politics can take a break as far as the election and stuff. Like, that's fine because it was worth it to put the attention on something good. But for me, as like a po- political nerd, I wanted to like hear more about the election. It, it just wasn't happening. Joe Biden's been in his basement recording podcasts and like yeah. Trump hasn't been able to do the rallies that he so loves, you know? So it's looked a lot different, but um, especially, yeah, with the movement happening right now like I just get so curious because the the time is kind of gets getting closer and closer and we're in the summer now um of just a really yeah voter turnout is just hugely important and so I think my conversations oftentimes kind of come back to that as well just whenever thinking about the election and whenever people um yeah just like have problems with what's happening right now Um, so it's interesting. We also talked a little bit too about like the church's role and I don't think we have time to get into it, but, um, I think that's just, yeah, that's been a big topic of discussion as well for a lot of my friends and stuff and talking about what the church's role is, how have we failed in the past and what Jesus says and thinks about these things. And, um, I encourage you also to look at the Instagram account of Scott, the painter who did this series of, um, basically how uh i don't know how to explain it jesus in like during the civil rights movement almost of like if jesus would have come into america at a certain point in history most of us wouldn't have known him or gotten to hear from him because he would have been segregated essentially he would have been disenfranchised and oppressed it's like whoa and it's a really powerful um little series of of uh painting drawings they're like virtual drawings i don't know how to explain it of just these pictures that he's done um in collaboration with a friend of his and they're very very good um, but I think, yeah, it just kind of leads the church back to a question. I know the church that Blessing and I go to, um, they are starting to, they're getting into the book of Titus, but specifically also kind of redirecting the conversation into racial reconciliation and things like that. And um, I've seen a lot of pastors speaking out and kind of claiming their responsibility of like, here's where I failed in the past, here's how I want to do better, mm-hmm. which is encouraging to hear, of course. 
but I think time will tell of what happens from here on. But if you are a believer, what are you also going to do about it? And um, I would also encourage you just to, if you are feeling overwhelmed or guilty of ways that you've contributed to the wrongness of society or whatever, or personal biases that you've held on to so tightly, whatever it is, if you, I just encourage you to take time, of course, to pray it over and repent where you need to repent, Mm -hmm. but also know that like we serve a gracious and loving God Mm -hmm. and his heart breaks for these things that we're seeing. And so how can we also demonstrate Christ-like behavior and character to the people around us and love people better? Um, And how do we fight for things like justice and peace and, and stuff like that? Um, as a, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, it can be tricky sometimes, but I feel like if you're, if you're in the word a lot, then it's pretty, or if you just, if you know the character of God, like if you know Jesus's heart, it is also pretty simple of what he, what he thinks about this stuff. So, um, just analyzing your own heart and mind with all that too is important. Um, but it is a conversation that the church is having, which is great. Yeah. That's encouraging as well. Um, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Blessy? (laughs) No. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's, I mean, we can keep talking about this. I mean, For there's sure. so many things that we could, like, you know, half the things we talked about earlier, we never I know. got to. I know. And so this is a huge issue. You mm-hmm. know, it's a huge thing that should not just stop yeah. with, you know, what is happening right now. It is a continued movement and mm-hmm. you play a role in it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just identify and realizing um, that you are realizing or more so coming to terms with how you can uh, advocate and be mm-hmm. an ally for the black community yeah. and how you can keep this conversation going and mm-hmm. how you can continue to support these people and love on them mm-hmm. and, um, and just, you know, keep your people who your white folks um, yeah. accountable I mean that's another thing you know it's not just the white community mm-hmm. I mean I'm South Asian and I know that it's not just something that exists within white white people it is like there's a thing that's going around it's not white versus black it's yeah. everyone versus racist yeah. you know and so you know you might be a minority but you just want to check you know check yourself and see where your biases lie. Yeah. I mean, you know, just because you are a person, you know, you're a minority or you're South Asian or you're um, Asian American, whatever yeah. your race may be, it doesn't mean that you are, you're not racist mm-hmm. or you don't have the tendencies yeah. to um, be racist. Mm-hmm. And so just check yourself and, move forward from that and you mm-hmm. check your biases have this conversation with your family members yeah and that's you know your your first point of contact and right your friends and um and your workplace mm-hmm. you know and yeah. schools you know wherever you mm-hmm. know keep this conversation going keep the awareness alive mm-hmm. yeah and i'm glad that also the point of like sin is also being brought up a lot of like a yeah. human problem of like yeah of like what is at the root of injustices everywhere you know mm-hmm. and i mean of course like i don't know you might be a believer and you might not be but um ah, 
Yeah. Because I can also get caught up too and just be like, there's always going to be sin in the world and this is yeah. a hopeless cause and there's always going to be problems. But that is no excuse to not do something about it and to work towards bringing heaven to earth, like making right. sure that kingdom culture is here on earth. And yeah. so, um, yeah, like we are, we are partners in the ministry of reconciliation, no matter what that looks like. And a big part of that is racial reconciliation, yeah. especially for this time that we're living in now. Um, but yeah, and this has also made me think about other movements as well, like mm. how I have like paid, have been paying more attention to this one and like have been learning and relearning and unlearning and yeah. all those things. And um, like, I don't know, like somebody even asked me a few days ago, like, well, I hope you're this passionate about the feminist movement. And I was like, mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> Which, I will take I mean, that like into this, consideration. I mean, this honestly, like one of the things that has come up is that we, every time a black man dies, there's more conversation surrounding yeah. a man's mm-hmm. a black man's death as opposed to a black woman yeah so, there's so many women who have died um who are african-american mm-hmm. and their names are not as you know we don't hear as much about it yeah i mean that's why there's a huge a push for you know just george floyd did die but also brianna taylor i mm-hmm. mean like for me she was 27 i turned 27 mm-hmm. in august and you know and that is a real thing where she died and yeah. she was my age right you know, and that that's heartbreaking mm-hmm. you know that is not okay for a woman who who is at a, the prime of her life um, yeah to just have her life cut short like that it's mm-hmm. not fair at all yeah um and so that's another thing you know like you know you bringing up the feminist movement brings up the fact that you know we do talk about black men dying but we rarely talk about black women mm-hmm. dying and so you know, there's that too. I mean, obviously, that's like a completely yeah. different topic, but yeah. I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, that we need to talk about equality in all yeah. aspects, not right. you know, race and, um, and gender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, because it even makes me think of, like, poverty and, like, just, like, yeah. so much of, like, economic inequality and, yeah. oh, my gosh. There's so much yeah. LGBTQ rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Nonetheless, these conversations are important. So um, we are grateful that you uh, listened to anything that we had to say. If you made it this far, kudos to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. We're going to continue talking about this stuff, of course, and continue to reframe, well, at least, like, figure out how to integrate it into our everyday lives, yeah. like you were saying earlier, just as the conversation, at least on social media or the news, kind of dies out as protests sort of subside and things like that. Just how do we, how do we still continue to move forward and keep yeah. it alive? Yeah. Um, but, uh, anywho. <laughs> okay. I guess we're going to go eat lunch and stuff. Um, yeah. I also think We're I'm cons- both very bad at like ending. <gasps> I know. We like I was like, you have anything else to add? No, not really. And then we went on for like another ten minutes. It's fine. Yeah. There's so much stuff. Yeah, there is though. But maybe it'll also tell you a thing or two about Blessy and my relationship, like our relationship with yeah. each other. So this happens literally every time. time with everything. We can't get anything done. We stopped studying together in college yeah. because it was mm-hmm. so unproductive. Yeah. I mean, like productive in the sense that we were having these conversations. True. Very very. Um, <gasps> useful and very there's a word for it but i I can't think of it but yeah anyway but like none of the education part i mean nothing homework was not getting Uh, done oh my gosh and you're right though we were talking about good things yeah we'd like do little bible studies together even or whatever but like yeah we couldn't get anything done okay so (laughs) 
<laughs> I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have, and um, thank you, Blessy, so much oh, for doing for this, for your uh, patience with me, and for your oh. support. <laughs> I was a little nervous about this, but I'm glad, you know, it, yeah. it turned out to be very... Mm-hmm. It's good once you get started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot Good. the mic was on me, so Right. that's good. <laughs> okay, well... Uh, thanks for tuning in. Subscribe if you haven't. I don't normal things that people say, and you can leave a comment, and I guess that helps traffic and stuff. But yeah. uh, <laughs> a repost. I can't say anymore. <laughs> Visit morganey.white.theworldrace.org. Like that stuff does doesn't. It's not a thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, repost, subscribe. Right, and, like and subscribe uh, and leave a comment. Yeah, whatever. Leave a comment <laughs> down below. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. <laughs>